And we're back. It's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great cinema draft game and also draft stream. Welcome, everybody. This is where Daily Fantasy Sports meets the movies. We'd like to welcome first time but long time cinema draft player, <laughs> DFS enthusiast. It's your boy, Nick Ringballs Ringwald. How's it going? Thanks for having me. No, thanks for being here. Uh, I know now. Question: Everyone wants to know because you mentioned this in group chat. You offered to be here drunk. Do you have a drink in hand today, sir? I actually don't. The last couple weeks, I hit it a little, a little hit it a little too hard. So ah, keep sticking sticking to water tonight. All right. Well, I'm gonna hold you to your word. We have to bring you back on as drunk ring balls because that was the promise you gave the people in our illustrious group chat. For those of you who don't know, we do have a group chat on GroupMe here. Come check us out. Uh, <laughs> we, we have a good time in there. We definitely chop it up about DFS, movies, movie industry stuff, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check us out. Today's Andy Cohen-inspired Watch What Happens Lifestyle drinking game tonight will be the word buy. Because every time you hear us say this word, take a sip of what you're sipping, even you and your dry ass, Nick. Because <laughs> tonight's pod is going to be all about some of the best business films we have seen. And since this is on everybody's mind, I ask this now of each of my guests on the program. How's your quarantine going, Nick? Oh, pretty good. Getting getting caught up on movies. I had a nice long list of movies I wanted to check out. So slowly been plowing through those. And then I think like everyone else in America, you got through Tiger King and... Uh, <laughs> Carol Baskin totally did it. Yeah, uh, the the memes just it's it was it was a nice escape to get away from everything that's going on. <laughs> I mean, anytime someone starts talking about sardine oil as a way to <laughs> to tease a cat to tease a big cat, you, we all as cats and kittens know that Carol Baskin <laughs> is guilty. This is a Carol Baskin disappeared disappeared her husband podcast just in case oh yeah she 100 percent. when she when she put in that sardine line and then little smile at the camera it's like she knows exactly what she's doing <laughs> all right well that's a great segue into our first and one of my favorite segments which is what we're watching and first up what i'm watching is homeland are you familiar with homeland Nick? Uh, I'm familiar with the show. I ne that's one of the shows I never did get around to watching. I know it would be one that I would love, but it's just fallen through the cracks for me so far. It has had, well, you know, it's had in a, an uneven run, to be honest with you, over its eight seasons. It's a typical Showtime show. It goes on a season or two too long. But in this case, they def definitely stuck the landing, as they say. It was a great eighth season. I honestly did not know what to expect. They honestly could have ended it at the end of maybe season seven and none of us probably would have missed it but this eighth season was pretty inspired it's always somewhat prescient it definitely put bot farms up on my radar uh about maybe a year before the rest of of the country kind of caught up to it it definitely was ahead of the curve with the with the afghanistan deal this this eighth season was about brokering a deal with afghanistan and getting out of of the Afghanistan war. And it's just really well done as far as its takes on, on mental health. Because our main character, Carrie Matheson, played by a very chin-quivering Claire Danes. I'm not sure if you're familiar <laughs> with her work, but that woman can make her chin 
you know, I mean, you know, uh, bounce like a stripper ass. It's crazy. And she, <laughs> and she, uh, as as a, a bipolar, you know, mainly she's simultaneously great at her job and terrible at her job, and it's just really worth <laughs> kind of uh, taking the journey with her through. I would say six to maybe six and a half of the eight seasons to see what she does. It's a really great show. A lot of international intrigue, a lot of spy craft and, and trade craft. I highly endorse it. Definitely check out, um, definitely check out Homeland, especially uh, if you're interested in seeing, you know, an unusual portrayal of a high functioning mentally ill person. I like hmm. Are you familiar with any, any other of Claire Dane's work? Uh very, very. She was in the Romeo and Juliet, wasn't she? Was oh that her? wow, deep cut. Yes, Nick. That's. That, I think. I think that's. A, I think that's about it. Okay. Yeah. No. No. She's really good in this. Uh, I. I definitely recommend it. Uh. What. What. What are one of those movies you said you've been plowing through during your quarantine? What are you watching? Uh. I've really trying. Been trying to get on. Me. Me and my roommate have just been working on what our top fifty movies list of all time. So I finally, finally, finally sat down and uh, I think I wrote down 125 movies. So I got to vet that list a little bit, but uh, some of the ones like I hadn't, I never seen Jackie Brown before. We got through that earlier this week. Okay. Uh, Gangs of New York missed out on that or missed on that one. So went through there. Uh, Usual suspects. Some of these, some of these movies that, I don't know why it took me so long to get around to, but glad I finally got there. Yeah, Kaiser Soze, man. Yeah, that's that's a that's another good deep cut. Okay, so this is this sounds like a pretty well vetted list. Like you're reaching back to the to the nineties. Uh, well, what's what's the furthest back in your on your movie list as far as age goes? Like, what's the oldest movie you've seen, or 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 maybe it's on your list that you're looking forward to seeing? Uh. Uh, I probably for me personally, it's probably Casablanca. I've never seen it. Um, mm. Roommate says it's his favorite movie of all time. So eventually, I'm going to need to give that a give that a go because uh, I mean, I've I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about it. So that's a great point. And I remember I've seen Casablanca once, and somewhat like you, maybe not under quarantine circumstances, of course, but about uh, oh wow. Damn, I'm old. About 15 years ago, living in Atlanta, Netflixing, Netflixing it up, and this is back in the DVD rental days. They were yeah. transitioning to streaming, but it was all DVD rentals. I went through a similar stretch. Like my key, well, Netflix also didn't have nearly the amount of selection they have today. So I was making my way through a similar list too. I did My Girl Friday, I did Casablanca, I did, um, uh, what was the, uh, I think I did a, one of those Fred Astaire. I think I did Singing in the Rain. I did some, mm, yeah. and, and I do remember liking Ca- Casablanca, although I don't remember much about it because I've seen just way too many movies. So that, that's, yeah. that's actually, that's a great idea. I wish I had the time. I have just too many shows right now. I'm into too many that. things. And speaking of, so from our illustrious draft stream game, we'll get more into that later. And I definitely want to pick your brain as far as game theory and strategy goes. You are one of our top players in both cinema draft and draft stream games. One of the one of the movies I saw this weekend spurred by, spurred on by our draft stream game from last week. This is a, a sample of our of our talent pool from last week was Bad Education, and that's the one with Hugh Jackman as eh, uh, I guess you would say a really shiny, polished school district superintendent who 
essentially is covering up a huge secret of school funds malfeasance and aid and abetted by his corrupt business manager, Allison Janney, and investigated by, of all people, and I love her, she's been in, in some movies recently, uh, Fresh Face in the Scene, Geraldine Vizwanatha, I, I knew it was going to screw Vizwanatha, there we go, Geraldine Vizwanatha, I like that, well, let's go with that. As, as a school reporter who uncovers it all, and this is all sort of based on a true story, did you get, end up watching Bad Education? Yeah, I I did, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I when I was doing my research for last week, I saw that it had already had some positive reviews coming in, so uh, I definitely wanted to check that out. And and there were some twists and turns in there that I didn't <laughs> see coming. There really were, and I I admired because it was. Well, as you see, I gave it a nine. <laughs> I really, I really liked it. The majority of the public gave it a seven point three, which definitely came into play in our final rankings in cinema draft. What I really enjoyed about it is that, for the most part, it is Hugh Jackson Jackman's movie, and that's fine. But there's a nice stretch in the middle where it's largely Allison Janney and you know giving her star ample room to shine, as well as you know Geraldine V, you know uh, her her school reporter daughter of a guess disgraced stockbroker that was also a nice little angle in it and it's really made time to fully flesh out these people it was like yes you can look at them as corrupt embezzlers which technically they were but their <laughs> motives were understandable and and honestly it sparked a conversation afterwards at least with me about how far people will do to not only retain power but basically what it's worth to them to just stay in power or to maintain a style of living to which they've been accustomed yeah no I, well and then the the superintendent that jackman played like he was on top of everything just like especially with his the students and knowing everyone's name and come coming from the superintendent that i went to i don't i don't know if he knew anyone's name he was <laughs> he was he was in and out he was also uh he was an ncaa basketball ref so i don't know how often he was actually in the office doing stuff anyways he was thinking the for the big 10 so oh, he was, he was, uh, he was gone a lot. And, uh, I think the only time I ever really saw him was at graduation. So, I mean, obviously, obviously they, uh, they broke the law, but he, he certainly seemed like he was excellent at his job, at least the people facing aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Cause it seems like we, we, as I don't know, humans or society, we can easily be impressed by someone who masters like, small details like we'll overlook a lot of stuff if we had a positive experience with somebody or if they remembered one small detail that seems that might seem insignificant to other people but means the world to us he was excellent at nailing that aspect of public relations to an extent and it's also what a lot of sociopaths use to mask yeah. <laughs> their <laughs> sociopathy as they say <laughs> That one clip with them all huddled in the closet or, or in her in her office, yeah. and like, yeah, I'm sorry, and, and they're making her give this bullshit apology, and she's like, yeah, I don't know why I did it, and they're like, yeah, it's the sociopathy, and she looks right at Hugh, and at, and at the time we don't know exactly what she means, oh, but we find out. Oh yeah, well, and then just I, I love Allison Janney. I just she's she's one of those people that I, like if I see her in a movie, I'm gonna check it out just. And then just, I, I love her. <laughs> yeah, she just always seems to bring it. Yeah, she does. Wildly charismatic, always has phone to lines. And it, it was it was better than your what you would expect a Saturday night HBO original movie to be. So good Absolutely. job. Absolutely. 
you know, anything else in the draft stream talent pool last week that you actually watched? Uh, no, not last week. Or pre, or no, sorry, Extraction. I did get around to seeing Extraction. Oh, yeah. What do you think of that, Nick? That was just uh, about a two-hour nonstop adrenaline ride. And I was honestly I, – I think you were the one who mentioned it in our group chat where it was – I mean, I, I was expecting just kind of, you know, action. and then, But the story was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And Hemsworth – really had a solid performance especially there at the end and uh at the end of the movie and just the some of those some of those shots they got were just fantastic and i saw the clip where the director was strapped down to a car going 60 miles an hour getting those shots so during the chase scene and just no ex- extraction was a big fan yeah, and it's funny because this is another movie that's directed by a stunt director for, you know, big franchise films. Uh, I, everyone's familiar with the ch- with John Wick and that origin. John Wick, the, I guess the trilogy now, <clears throat> is directed or 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 uh, run by by a former stunt director and you know Chad Stahela, you know Chad chat ass yeah anyway in this in this case this one is sam hargrave he's the russo brothers stunt directors first i mean I, I'm, I'm distracted for a second look at this dress this dress is gorgeous and she's oh, like, yeah dirty work in the men's bathroom boy <laughs> and, she, and she just looked fantastic that whole movie just oh, yeah. i mean nothing nothing fancy nothing fancy about her and she just looked great Oh, yeah, she looked great. Perfect bob. I'm a sucker for for a bob. Any single ladies out there? Um, yeah, but no, it, it's 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 a interestingly shot movie because it, it. I mean, as you can see, this whole this is like kind of sepia tone, which kind of lets you know that you're in. I think this this is the, the car, Dhaka. There we go, Dhaka, Bangladesh. The where, where a lot of the action takes place, and it kind of reminds me how they film, you know, Mexico a lot, would make it look extra sweaty. They just kind of make it all kind of yellow toned and sepia toned and what have you. But it really does kind of throw you in there uh, with the action, a lot of steady cam, a lot of, of up close hand hand combat. I loved it because of I guess the stage combat. You know, I my, my actually have a background in, in acting, and we went to when I went to acting school or acting grad school in at the Paul, the Paul Theater School. My favorite class was stage combat. We had this guy who used to do um, this guy named Nick Powell. Uh, I guess he's made like career for himself doing hand-to-hand combat stuff. And so the entire time I'm watching this movie, I'm like breaking down the scene, like, oh my god, that was taking like a, that would take me like weeks to learn, you know. And all these, you know, it is the action was so nonstop and ridiculous. There are points where you just have to laugh, like what he did with the cup, the metal cup, and he hit. The- yeah, it's just, I, I, yeah. I mean. That well, in that chase scene, that they, that was about what about twelve minutes in total with everything, or so, something like that, and just you you couldn't take your eyes off the screen. Everything was going on, and I, yeah, it, it was pretty. I, it was pretty nonstop, and and for I mean, there's some things that are a little bit unbelievable. Like okay, so he has he, you know the first of all. Guys fall off buildings, pop up, somewhat fine. He has an arm in a sling. 20 minutes later, the sling's gone, and it's got full function of his arm. You can't take it seriously. Take oh, yeah, distraction no. on its own terms and enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, as, as, a, as a big fan of the Fast and Furious franchise, I, I know how to dis, dis, spin my belief and just, you know, just enjoy it for what it is. Because, yeah, like the guy you just had there on the screen he gets hit by a truck and then – he, five minutes later, he chases down Hemsworth and the kid, and you're just like, that dude just got hit by a five-ton five truck, and he's, he's fine right now. 
Yes, and also all you insurance adjusters in the audience, do not watch this movie if you <laughs> if you want your head my head to explode. A lot of destruction, a lot of mayhem. I loved it for it. And honestly, in the way they set it up, I mean, there could be a sequel. I had heard, I saw something around the internet today that they're banning about the idea of a possible prequel. I'm up for anything. This movie you know, killed it. I think it's in the top 10 of Netflix over the weekend. So great job, Extraction, and everybody uh, associated with that. That was a fun time. And that is what we're watching. All right. So we are at the meat of our episode this week. We're doing the top three business movies. And here are the rules for those of you who are new to the program. You name a movie dealing with business or high finance. We alternate picks. Once someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. And since you're our guest, Nick, and hopefully you read the rundown. As you know, some people in this podcast do not. <laughs> we came prepared. What is your first pick? So I'm going to start it off. I was debating back and forth between two. I hope you don't take the other one so I can have both of them. But I'm going to start off with Social Network. Ah, okay. Yes, the business of not only startup culture, but also friendship. <laughs> or yeah. I, I, this, this is um, – I – Saw this in theaters, I think two or three times, and then watched it here and there. And I've rewatched it recently in the past week. And just everything about this movie, I, I obviously it's dramatized a bit for the big screen, but this is just the, uh, probably a peak Eisenberg performance. And it puts Rooney, Rooney Mara on the map. And just I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, the Indian guy, what's his name? Max Minghella, yeah. That's son of, yeah, son of director Anthony Minghella. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize that. Yes. I thought he was going to end up being a lot bigger than uh, what he was after this movie. But um, Yeah, he takes our, a lot of uh, – I mean, I'm not sure if he ever made – or I don't know if it's a bad agent or if he really made a push to become a leading man or anything, but he actually he's – in, he's in uh, Handmaid's Tale – I think all three seasons I gave up after first episode of season three, uh, but uh, but he's he gets work. But you're right, he's not as big a star as you'd think someone with his name and pedigree and you know decent acting chops would be. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, and as as someone, I, as I do appreciate the the high art movies as well, but I also like my lowbrow and his performance. Uh, he was in the internship with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, and he oh, kind of plays. Right a fake snooty British person and just he I, I I enjoy seeing him so it was it's nice to go back and revisit it and see how he um well it's him and the Winklevoss twin Ar Army Hammer that's another person yeah I, oh, that, that definitely put him on the map absolutely the 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 CGI in that movie for was that 2011 yeah or 2010 like I I didn't know who Army Hammer was at the beginning of that I legitimately thought it was twins yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I mean, yeah. No one knew who Army Hammer was really. I thought it was twins as well. Fun fact: Max Minghella is actually a snooty British person, born in Hampstead, London, England, and and uh, born and raised there. So just like, apparently, American accents are the easiest thing for foreigners to do. I'm really jealous. It's really annoying. They flatten all the vowels, and they're one of us. It's not fair. Uh, fun, well, when I first, I, I, I endorse and support and mirror your love of 
the social network. I remember, so back in the Great Recession, and it's the time when I lost everything with living with my mom, and it's such a great look for a 35-year-old, a friend of mine back in, uh, in Hollywood sent me, like, I'm not sure if it was a production draft of the script, but he sent me a copy of the social network script. This is about, yes, yeah, this is 2009, um, months before this, this thing came out. I remember, it was Sorkin, so I just inhaled it. I remember reading it, and when I was done, I turned to my mom, and I was like, you know what, mom? All I got to do, all, all Fincher has to do is, is, is turn on the camera and it's an Oscar. And it yeah. was. It was one of the best scripts I ever read. And there's so much stuff in the script that they left out about. There's this whole like diatribe where he's talking to Rudy Mara at the, at, uh, at the, the bar at the beginning. He's talking about like, you know, the number of I guess, genius people in China there are. And it's, it's just so, so much minutia and detail in the script. I mean, I remember looking at a script like thinking, not only is Sorkin like just, you know, a, a good writer, good structure, all sort of stuff, but he really finds, whatever he writes about, he finds like these interesting details, almost like a sociopath, about whatever it is he's covering that really make, it really kind of hook you in, that, you know, really give you an insight into the mind of the characters that he's dealing with. And a lot of the great writers I like, I mean, I don't, I don't really read a ton as far as like novels these days, but a lot of the writers I read tend to find one small detail uh, about a person, about a character that really lets you know how the character thinks. And Aaron Sorkin is really good at doing that type of stuff. And I was really in, in marvel at scripts. So that's an excellent first choice. Well done, Nick. Any, any closing thoughts on the social network? Uh, just one quick, quick little nugget. Uh, I was listening to a podcast about the social network and they were saying that first scene with him and Rooney Mara, it took 99 takes for them to get that scene right. So that just... Cause I guess apparently it was so. It's, I guess it's a seven-minute scene, yeah. but it was twenty pages of in the script, and they wanted to get it all done in the seven minutes. So he was like, "Just go faster. If you think you're going fast, you're not going fast enough." <laughs> and his scripts read like that, and because uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the West Wing. I mean, all the walk and talk stuff, and and normal, out of normal scripts for a one-hour show tend to be sixty, sixty-five pages. I'd hear like his would come in at, like. 80 to 90 and he was just wanting to, to power through all that dialogue somewhat like mammoth style mammoth mammoth doesn't have mammoth's more like staccato but like everyone talking on top of each other one after the other just bat, bat, bat. sorkin is similar but it's but he gives but it's long sentences for people who like to talk fast like myself <laughs> long sentences <laughs> yeah. on top of each other as well instead of just like kind of bam 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 so it's yeah, he definitely is challenging and it's nine nine takes. I'm not surprised. It's very Fincher style. I'm sure you've heard of the legendary Fincher, you know, yeah. you down takes, gone girl. I mean, his it must take him I mean, no no wonder he's not more prolific because if you're doing ninety nine takes in one scene, yikes. You're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna you're gonna be shooting some days. <laughs> some yeah, days. that's 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 gonna be a long shoot there. Yeah. Andrew Garfield, you know, playing my namesake, Eduardo. <laughs> It, also, uh, Bren, Brenda Song, she needs to be in more things. Uh, big, I big Brenda, Brenda Song. Song. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a very pro. How pro Brenda Song I am. I watched an awful Netflix movie starring her. What was it the the Stranger, Perfect Something, Perfect Stranger, whatever it is? That I mean, she's she. I watched it solely for her. It it was definitely one of those stairmaster watches where okay, I'm trapped <laughs> in this machine for 30 minutes at a time. That's the only way I can get through this. It is terrible. I love her. She's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, big, big Brenda. So I, I just watched one with her not too long ago. I don't remember. It was something. Of, obsession. That's what it was. This, the one I saw, it was, uh, I think it had Seth Green in it, and they were in 
somewhere in Asia and she was like a tour guide. And then she used a thick Asian accent for the tours. And then they met up with her. They happened to run into her at a bar later. And she's like, Oh, I just do that for the tips. <laughs> I yeah, can't remember exactly. We got, we got a free her. We got a free John show. Uh, we got a free some of uh, my other favorites who just are not getting nearly enough work. Yeah, Station 19. Nobody watched that show. Dollface seemed interesting. I need to see some more episodes of that. Yeah. We love it. We love Brenna Song. All right, moving on. Uh, that's, that's what we call <laughs> Welcome to the Podcast, Nick. That was our first cultural cul de sac. You're officially one of us. <laughs> you might get some t shirts made. I don't know. All right, so. <laughs> So my first business movie, and anyone who knows me knows this is obvious for me. And this is The Big Short. My goodness. I love it. Was that, was that the other one you were thinking of? No, that was what I was hoping to sneak in for number three. But yeah, that's now, great now, welcome, And also welcome to the game on the podcast. <laughs> I, now, another, now going back to that awful period in all of our lives, the Great Recession, 2008-2009. This, I actually read the book, The Big Short, uh, because I had lost my house, lost my car. And move back in my mama like a chump. I was trying to figure out what the hell happened. And, I, and that's when I started reading, you know, books. I read Too Big to Fail, read The Big Short, I read Griftopia. I was trying to figure out what the hell happened. And that's actually what put me on a path towards other great things in my life, like Bitcoin and some other stuff. But basically, I read the book. It was a great book. And I'm like, okay, there's no way. There's no way this thing is filmable. And when I heard that they'd sold the rights, as they do to almost every, you know, Michael Lewis book. And Michael Lewis, a fantastic writer of nonfiction. I mean, I hate nonfiction generally, but I love his stuff. And I, I, I laughed, I'm like, okay, good luck with that. And then I saw this movie. I think it came out, was it Christmas or something? Uh, yeah, it was Christmas or Thanksgiving of that year. Yeah, yeah. So it came out holiday season, which when I'm usually home anyways. And and I remember seeing it, I've been our Christmas movie, me and mom. And I loved it. I was shocked at how how good it was. I loved the little little narrative tricks they made to explain some of the the financial aspects to it. It really did make it accessible to people. And I came away from that movie thinking that, kind of like with the book, that it's required viewing and required required reading for all citizens to really understand how not only how rigged against the average person, you know, the the equities market and stock market is. I don't know, have you I'm now seeing how you said you were trying to sneak it in. What are your thoughts on this movie, Nick? Oh, well, speaking of the financial, I I worked for a financial institution a couple years ago when I was going through all my series seven testing. uh, When when we uh, when we I went home immediately and watched this movie for the I think I saw this four times in theaters because I used to work at used to work at a theater. So I got to go for free. So I uh, saw, saw this plenty of times in theaters. I this is probably one I watch every couple months just because everything about it uh, is just great. Adam Adam McKay showing that he can do a serious movie, yes. and Christian Bale diving in. And and, uh, he, he, uh, oh no! Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was, I, I, but no, like it's they do a really good job of explaining the dense material with those fourth wall breaks. Like they got Margot Robbie in the bathtub and yes. everything. Like, like they Gomez taking, explaining derivatives, whatever in a kitchen or something. Yeah, that was great. It, it's, it's, it's extremely boring material unless you're actually interested in it, but they do a good job of the, it's like almost a two hour movie and you just, you don't want to take your eyes off the screen and you, you feel like you're learning while you're watching it too. I, 
this this is an excellent choice. I was hoping I could slip it in, but uh, I'm glad it was taken. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's always top of mind because of you know my personal reasons, obviously, but also because it, it this Gosling performance. I mean, it's criminal that he didn't win anything for this, or maybe he did, but not in the Academy Award. But this was this was incredible. He was so. I mean, he plays like that. I mean, he's a composite character from the book. Yeah. But he, but he plays that kind of slick, you know, asshole that, I mean, he's, that obviously is in his toolbox, you know, that's in his bag, you know, something along the lines of, you know, crazy, stupid love. But he's just so compelling and charismatic. I mean, you see him at the gym and he's working out, he's talking on the phone. I mean, I've never, I mean, I've never really dealt with, you know, stock markets or whatever, because one, I never really had the money, and two, when I had the money, I'm like, fuck this, it's rigged. <laughs> but but uh, I, I dealt in, and I was on the fringe of the Hollywood for about a decade, and I had similar sounding, you know, somewhat similar looking manager type who, you know, sounded exactly like this guy. And so I really, I really related to him as far as the kind of, the way that he kind of swims through life like a shark, always looking for an angle. Maybe he's not necessarily looking to screw you over. But he's not looking, necessarily looking to help you either. He's out for, yeah. for himself. <clears throat> you no, know, and maybe his institution or his clients. But it's just fascinating how how he got into it. And and, and I just and I'd really love to be from lines, little throwaway lines like "I'm jacked, I'm jacked the teeth." <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that because he's just so committed. He, and yeah, everyone knows Gosling's a great actor, but this is such a fun role. It's it's kind of flashy, but not really. And there's so, it's such an ensemble cast. It's easy to kind of overlook. But what he's really working, he, he's working so hard, it looks easy. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like you said. I mean, normally he plays like an understated character, and you don't necessarily get to see everything shine through. But I, like you said, with Crazy Stupid Love, I was going to bring that up. He's basically it's more or less the same character. It's just a more on steroids and and if he had a job. Yeah, if if it wasn't a trust fund baby and had a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of great you know cameos in this. A lot of I mean, in this whole Michael Burry thing that they, in the book that's one hundred percent real. Like they fired him even though even though he made them all like a billion dollars something like that. I mean, it's it's hard to to be against the grain, and I you know. I, and I say it as, as a lover of Bitcoin, you know, well before it's fashionable. Uh, you know, people think you're crazy and stuff when you see around corners. And that's what these guys kind of did. And what's sad to me and what makes this, you know, a great movie and great source material is that, you know, we're still, we're poised to make similar mistakes again. And it's almost like this, this thing didn't happen. But yet, if you if you watch it or re, and or read the book, everything you need, I mean, not everything, but everything you need to know to avoid this mistake is there. And we're just, we'll... I don't know if it's human nature or or the nature of capitalism or whatever. You know, that's a whole other discussion. But we're we're bound to repeat the same mistakes. And it's kind of sad because yeah, it could it could all be avoided. You know, we all be good people, better people. <laughs> all right, so that big short that that was mine. What's your next movie? All right, so I de- I ended up getting my top two choices here. Uh, my second one, I'm going to go with Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, why did I think of that? <laughs> Well played, sir. Well played. Wolf of Wall Street. I just rewatched that like a couple months ago, too. All right. Well, I, I, um... <laughs> I, I, I actually rewatched this last week. I, uh, this, I, I think this is Leo's best performance. Uh, I know he won for The Revenant, but that felt like a, that felt like a career. We've, we've, we screwed you a little bit. Uh, Margot Robbie, we got this hurt. She could, I don't think she could look any better in this movie. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Bottle rocket. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That when we're for, 
Matthew McConaughey, that scene is just, I, I just go on YouTube sometimes and watch that scene with him and Leo at, at lunch. Uh, Jonah Hill is fantastic. I mean, you know the story so, behind the Matthew McConaughey thing, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. What, he does that to pump himself up, and they're like, you know, we're gonna put that in the movie. Yeah, that's good stuff. But yeah, no, I, Jonah Hill. Yeah, oh, I, those prosthetic teeth. I, I that just looks so painful. <laughs> but I, I mean, the well, and and then this scene right here. Uh, where he's sitting on the bus after they or on the the train after they get him, and I because well, I guess it, it was earlier when he was on his boat, he was like, "You might get me, but you're still going to be going to your job and realize it's is it really worth it?" And you can just you can just see the 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 upsetness in him even after they get him, where he's still riding the subway, live, working his issue. working his nine to five, and yeah, I, yeah, and all this stuff that he talked about him is like it's, it's true, but yeah, it's. <laughs> it's, just, it's oh yeah this movie is great it's 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 definitely uh and this actually was a christmas movie because i do remember going to the theater because mom and i the draft mom and i we see a movie every christmas evening or every every christmas night well every christmas day eve evening yeah <clears throat> that's like our ritual and this was that movie for us and it was just i remember this, we were laughing our ass when he's crawling out to the maserati or whatever and and he's just i mean it's just such a it's such an over-the-top performance but yet obviously grounded on based on on something in real life it is it's a great movie it's fun it's it's on adderall the entire time it's awesome it's great well yeah it's it's over three hours and like i you don't want to you don't check your phone you don't check the time the you and when it's over you're like oh my god i didn't realize three hours went by absolutely great pick oh, i'm jealous all right so i'm gonna come off top rope to you i'm definitely this one's way too obvious it's wall street taking that yeah. out I mean, you got to do it. You got to do it. Uh, and also, it is, it is a classic. And it oh, it still slaps today. I'm telling you. It still slaps. Uh, so, Wall Street, for those who somehow may not be familiar or are just too young, uh, definitely was what was uh, during Charlie Sheen's heyday. I think he's fresh off Platoon after this, whatever. Michael Douglas also doing his, his late 80s to mid-90s just killer run. He, and he's honestly... I kind of fault him for spawning a whole generation of stockbrokers. Gordon Gecko <laughs> is just—I mean, I mean, I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. You—you you were studying for your series seven. I mean, how revered is this movie and that character Gordon Gecko, if at all, still today in stockbroker circles? Oh, it was. Yeah, I mean, it, there was Wall Street references left and right when we were going through our training. <laughs> It's—I mean, it's—it—it it inspired a whole generation of people to be stockbrokers and the do whatever it takes mentality and uh this is one i probably need to go back and rewatch. it's probably been a good five or six years since i've seen it but it's yeah and, and now also knowing what you know too about oh yeah 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 and it's just it's just such a great i mean it's it's a bit of a of a morality play to an extent you know basically what happens when you get exposed to too much money too soon i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be that way but it's definitely what definitely is of the mindset of the time i mean i was a kid in the 80s uh, i wasn't was it 87 yeah i didn't watch it in the theaters you know per se but <clears throat> but that whole greed is good mentality is a real thing like reagan totally kicked off 
a, a bit of a me culture. Everyone's out for for self. Everyone was was definitely trying to get rich <clears throat> quick. You know, boom boom times. You know, they lowered tax rates. You know, dramatically. So it definitely spurred on some sort of uh, of a rush to business. And it, nothing was stopping. You know, stockbrokers. It was definitely the heyday of Wall Street. You know, and Wall Street. The movie came at the perfect time. Oliver Stone, former stockbroker himself, you know, <clears throat> definitely had connection to the material. And it's just such, it's a great film. He won Oscars for it. I think he won Oscar for it, at least screenplay. I believe Douglas won Best Supporting, I think, Best Lead. I think, I think he won for Gordon Gecko. I mean, hard, not, hard for him not to. And and is it's i mean greed is good that's <laughs> that's the yeah. one quote everyone will come away with from this movie it's no, yeah yeah that was yeah i'm uh, speechless because it it's such a timeless movie i mean yes all the stuff is kind of dated like his big brick of a phone on the beach where he's talking <laughs> to, to to bud fox aka charlie sheen he's like i just want to share the sunset with you buddy i mean it's it's comical but the same the same ethos applies basically. I mean, as long as we're going to have this type of, as I call late stage capitalism, <clears throat> where, where, you know, there are rules for some, but, but, you know, they don't apply to all. I mean, it's always going to apply. It's, it's a great movie. It's a timeless movie, honestly, uh, unless something dramatically changed in the system and it's worth a watch. I highly recommend it. Yeah, for sure. It, it's, this is one that it, you should go, anybody who hasn't seen it should go and watch it. Hundred percent. All right. So, what's your what's your final movie? And I think you're gonna take the one I I want, but go for it. Just do what you must. I I think I'm I think I'm gonna throw you for a little loop here. We're gonna go we're gonna go back to Michael a Michael Lewis book, okay. and I'm going to uh, go with Moneyball. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I like it. It would definitely be in my top ten of of business movies. But yeah, and another book I read. I think this one. I think this is also another one I read during. Uh, <laughs> during self-quarantine in 2009. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so tell us about Moneyball. What'd you like? So, I, I mean, I'm a big sports fan. So, and then baseball is one of my favorite ones to watch. So uh, I didn't need anything more to sell me on this movie, but uh, with, with, I guess, I guess you could put uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there, but other than that, Brad, Brad, this is my favorite Brad Pitt performance. He just, the, he, Billy Bean's a bit of a pretty boy himself, and obviously <laughs> Brad Bean's or, Brad Pitt's a very pretty boy, uh, and he just the whole to see the inside workings of baseball was nice. Uh, this the scene right here where he's talking to all the scouts and letting After them know. After die, like, <laughs> just this this is one of this is one of my uh, we get Chris. I didn't even know who Chris Pratt was, and he looks a lot like Scott Hatterberg. He was, he was a Parks and Rec guy. <laughs> I, I honestly thought that was Scott Hatterberg the first time I watched the movie because he looks pretty similar to him. He really did, uh, didn't he? We get, we get Philip Seymour Hoffman playing uh, Art Howe as the coach. and uh, Being 20 minutes from St. Louis, uh, they had uh, Royce Clayton, who was one of the shortstops when I was growing up watching Cardinals baseball. He gets the cameo as Miguel de Hada. There's just a, a lot of things about this movie that uh, I still love. I loved the first time I watched it. This was another movie I probably saw four or five times in theater when I was working there. Uh, this was our first time we could really, really see Jonah Hill being a serious actor. Yes. And, yeah, he got nominated for an Oscar for this. Yep. 
yeah, and uh, I just this this was just one of my favorite movies overall. Yeah, I, I enjoyed. Um, well, I mean, it's 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 a great movie. It's an excellent movie. I loved it. I rewatched it. I think three or four months ago. I mean, as they say, still slaps. And uh, this is another. <laughs> and this is another book. I think I did read in two thousand nine or whatever. And it was because I, I, after I read The Big Short, I think I started hail everything Michael Lewis. I, re- I wanted to read like all this stuff. It's so good. And and I and I you know I played uh, baseball in high school. wasn't that good, but I, I still do like the sport more to play it than necessarily to watch. Like I won't necessarily like watch. Yeah. The Mariners season or anything because we're so God we're so bad, <laughs> but, but no, but I, I like the sport so it was it was really fun to kind of see the peek behind the curtain because and you'd heard like the term you know Moneyball generally uh, referred to like with how the A's had 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 done their program and stuff but to really get the the behind the scenes stuff was really good and that was really my first as a writer myself, it was really <laughs> not to go all Ryan Russillo on us as a writer, but as a writer myself, it was really, I, that was when I really was able to, to see like lack of a better term and analogy, the, the seams, the stitching in how uh, Michael Lewis crafts these nonfiction stories almost better than fictional stories. Cause I guess the market mm-hmm. of a great nonfiction writer is to tell a story so well that it's almost indistinguishable from like a well-told like you know novel or something and that's it felt like you're reading a novel to an extent you know it was great the way he starts off i think it starts from the book too you know billy beans like same same scenario billy beans in the bowels of oakland stadium whatever on tv is is the a's losing to the yankees and he's he's out there doing like you know reps you know he's doing yeah he's lifting weights for to get the energy out and that was a great setting in the book and keeping that was smart on part of of the movie uh the, the movie had a long gestation they were i think it was really gonna be sorkin i think sorkin, sorkin i think sorkin wrote the script right sorkin wrote the script i think someone was supposed to uh that's right it was uh not yep. sure was uh soderbergh soderbergh wanted to direct it he fell out oh, oh, i'm sorry yes zalian i think zalian came in and did the touch-ups but sorkin wrote the original screenplay for it and, you know, so, I mean, this, I mean, these two right here, I mean, your script's in great hands. I mean, both yeah. Oscar, you know, uh, winners, I believe. And, and Bennett Miller, not familiar with his work. I did see Capote, which is fine, but this is, this is a very solid job. Like he didn't get in the way. I mean, he had a great script. He had great cast. He didn't get in the way. I really enjoyed it too. Moneyball's a great pick. Well, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my last pick is going to be Boiler Room. I mean, another another stockbroker favorite, I'm sure. Have you seen Boiler Room, actually, Nick? I have not. This was, was on one of this is on my list because when I was doing my research for this, uh, the list that kept it kept popping up on all the lists when I was looking. So it's uh, this one and Margin Call. I think I really I need to. Margin Call solid. Margin Call is definitely more wonky than Boiler Room, <clears throat> but Boiler Room is is fun. Well, yeah, and I and this one might be a little before your time too. It came out in two thousand. I mean, you know, who, who knows what our priorities were twenty years ago? But this was definitely in in my pocket. I mean, a bunch of young twenty something guys, you know, doing doing the whole stuff. Uh, well, actually, this is this is stock. It's kind of stockbrokers, but it's more like, I mean, it, it's in the title. It's a boiler room. They're basically trying to pawn off shitty stocks on unsuspecting people. It's really kind of sad. Giovanni Rubisi, I mean, another a bit of an ageless wonder. He's got the same face like throughout his entire. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks the same in those photos as he does now. He really does. But Giovanni Rubisi plays a 
a kind of low-level Queens casino, like home casino run. Like he, he has, he has sets of tables in his house, in his like uh, Queens brownstone, runs like a little, you know, small time casino racket out of his house. Stays on the radar, making okay money or whatever. But then uh, one, one guy kind of dumps a bunch of money on uh, at one of his tables and says that he made all this money, you know, being like this kind of stockbroker. And, and he's like, if you want to make some real money, you know, come check us out. Goes over to this place, which is run by, actually, this, this is run by Ben Affleck. And I'm not sure you've seen his monologue. Ben Affleck has a very famous monologue from the scene where he talks about all the money he's made from this boiler room racket or whatever, which is, it's a, it's a classic scene. It's a classic scene. If, I find, if you haven't seen it, I'll send it to you because it's, it's a great monologue for any film, for any, you know, theater school scene. Anyways, it's run by Ben Affleck, who's really only there in like two or three scenes. It's really like a cameo. But the day-to-day is, is, is dominated by Vin Diesel's character. And this is, this is the role, I think, which, I mean, late 90s, I mean, he was kind of making a name for himself. I think he'd done a Fast and the Furious. Or, no, actually, no, Fast and the Furious, I think, was a year or two after this, the first one. Yeah, so here, 02 was the first one. Yeah, and I, we'd seen him in Saving Private Ryan, though. He was in that, I think, in 97. 90, yeah, that's nine, nine, 98, I think, because the 99. Yeah, 98, I think, yeah. So we'd seen him in Saving Private Ryan, but he's just part of the ensemble. In this movie, he really does kind of dominate the screen when he's in it. And he's got you know, a really good part in it. So this is what really elevates Vin Diesel's stardom. I mean, as you see, a lot of, you know, clean cut, you, you know, you know, cocky, ready to take over the world, young white guys, like <laughs> Scott Kahn. I mean, also similar face. I mean, this guy, his face yeah. is there. Never really changes throughout his career. <laughs> I mean, look at, look at like Jamie, Jamie Kinnon. I, was, I, I pulled it up here on IMDb. This is a, this is a hell of a cast they had here. It's a great Especially, cast. All, <laughs> funny side note about Nia Long. I was just talking talking about her the other day to one of my friends. Where has Nia Long gone, Long gone to? I feel like I haven't seen her in anything. She has been aging gracefully, sadly, like many of our, uh, of our great actresses. Uh, you know, she's been relegated more to supporting roles. Unless your name is Meryl Streep, they're generally not coming to you, you know, once you hit, like, late 40s, early 50s to, to lead stuff. But she, I just saw her in, I saw her in something, I want to say it was on. Uh, Black AF? Yeah, Black AF, thank you, Black AF. She's, yeah, she's doing some supporting stuff. But we, yes, we need to get her in more of a leading role for something. Nia Long is great. Definitely one of my crushes growing up. Thank you for bringing that up. We love Nia Long. This is definitely another... And then, and then among the things we support on this podcast is definitely the resurgence of Nia Long. Let's, what is she, let's see if she's got anything coming up. And we're going to go into a quick cultural cult. I mean, look at her. Also uh, she, look pretty timeless. She, she, she still looks really good. Uh, yeah. My, uh, for whatever reason, I, it, I think it used to be on HBO a lot back in the day, but me and my brother, I think I've seen the movie held up with her and Jamie Foxx probably about a hundred times. Oh and <laughs> just, I, it's one of those movies that I'm aware it's not a good movie, but if it's, if I ever catch it on TV, I'm going to finish watching it. Wow. That, that is, that is quite a sick humble brag. Um, I absolutely hated that movie. This, this is back in my movie review days. And yeah, here's a, here's a fun quick uh, anecdote. So, so back in, yeah, two, yeah, I remember this movie. Okay, so I was doing, about in 99, 2000, I was doing a lot of like regular extra work, like, you know, being back on cross and all the different sets or whatever. I was on a set that, back when Ava DuVernay, director, 
Academy Award nominated <laughs> DuVernay directs. This is back when she was just a publicist, right? She was an onset publicist for a show called City of Angels. That's how I kind of ran into her. Maybe she heard us extras talking one day and heard me talking about how I do movie reviews, but she put me on her list, right? So she's getting me into some of these premieres and screenings, whatever, and writing my reviews. And I, I'm, yeah, I think it was, I think it was held, yeah, it had to be held up. So Held Up comes, is released. It was going to be supposed to be a big summer movie for Jamie Foxx. I mean, low, low budget as far as what they spent on it, but big as far as supposed to be raising the profile at the time they're, they're releasing it, right? And had Neil Long, had Jamie Foxx. I'm excited because I like both those guys. And it turns out to be terrible. It's a disaster. Oh, it is. And I remember in my review I wrote, I wrote, I will duck walk buck naked across La Cienega Boulevard <laughs> if this movie makes over 10 million this weekend, right? I think I only made like 9 million this opening weekend. So a little bit of sweat there. But when I turned in the, the review to Ava, I'm, I mean, I'm just this, yeah, I'm not part of like any real newspaper. Whatever. I'm like, I mean, I wasn't really blogging. We didn't really have blogging back then, but I think I was, I was doing it for like a local, you know, SoCal newspaper or whatever. Anyways, I guess she got it and just turned over to her people and ran it without checking it because when she oh, no. saw that I hated the movie, she was so livid. She blacklisted me from her list for like two oh, years. Oh, no. For two years. I mean, we made, we made up nice and everything later on and, and I ended up working on some other stuff for her. But yeah, she... I was. This is the movie that got me blacklisted from AOD. <laughs> small, my small claim to fame. I I can't give an endorsement to anyone listening to this movie. I'm well aware it's not a good movie, but there's just something about it that, whenever it was on, I would just sit there and watch it, and they're just. It's so ridiculous. It's so terrible. It's look at that double feature. This definitely might be before your time. But Sprung, not a great movie, but I enjoyed it with a great soundtrack. <laughs> Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't know anything about that. But yeah, so I, my, I guess in the entry or in the pantheon of bad movies we love, I guess mine would be The Ladies' Man. Kovacier, yeah. that is my drink. <laughs> I love that movie. It's not good, but I enjoy it entirely. Ladies my, uh, I, think, I think my number one of that is, uh, is She's Out of My League. I, once that got put on Netflix, I think I watched that probably once a week for the first year. I would send snaps to my friends and they, one of my friends sent me a, a true life. I'm addicted to she's out of my league uh, meme just because I, I, I don't know what it is about the movie. I mean, uh, what's her? It's not Alice Eve. Yeah. Alice Eve. Yep. Yeah, I always get her and uh, Teresa Palmer mixed up. Uh, yeah, they do favor each other. <laughs> Uh, Alice Eve looks fantastic in the movie. I I'm a big JT Miller fan when he's not calling in bomb threats on uh, <laughs> buses, uh, and I like I like Jay Baruchel, Kristen Ritter. It actually has a fairly good Kristen cast. Ritter. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, TJ Miller. Yeah, and and uh, oh, yeah, Alice TJ, Eve. Not JT Miller. Yeah, yeah, TJ Miller. Yeah, and Alice Eve. Actually, this is the movie, at least for me, gave that gave me or or mainstream. American, you know, audiences like myself. This is the movie that gave us Alice Eve, and yeah, she definitely kills it. And this, she looks incredible. But fun fact: first of all, she's. I mean, I mean, you talk about black don't crack. Alice Eve don't crack. I mean, oh, she yeah, looks she, incredible yeah. now. I, I just watched an episode of Bill Gravia. I can't believe I forgot to mention that earlier on in what we're watching. I won't say I'm obsessed with Bill Gravia, but there's something that Julian Fellows does. Julian Fellows, the guy, is the the writer of every single episode of Downton Abbey. <clears throat> He's the writer of, of these, I, I guess, these first six episodes of Belgravia, based off a novel of his. 
I mean, there's a little flex. Uh, I'm writing a novel and a whole series on it because I can't because Julia follows and I get down like that. But she's in she's in Belgravi and she looks. I mean, she's ti- she's got a timeless face, timelessly good looks, and she looks exactly the same, good as ever. And she's a, she's a, a pivotal part of Bill Gravia, and I, I definitely recommend Bill Gravia. Wow, Lindsay, still, okay, where where's she been? Uh, she, uh, Alice Eve is a pivotal part of Bill Gravia. Bill Gravia, Bill Gravia. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's definitely another one of those British upstairs downstairs type shows. I highly recommend it if you want to get into Snitch Butlers on Adderall. <laughs> down Abbey, at Down Abbey, Snitch Butlers. This is Snitch Butlers on Adderall. I definitely endorse it, and Alice Eve in it. She's great. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're gonna wrap this segment up and move on to the part for those of you who are new or even returning. If you're interested in the cinema draft game and how it is played, we'll take a quick break to bring you up to speed to let you know about what cinema draft is all about, how to play it when we are back up and running. We'll pause real quick for those of you watching at home, and we'll be right back. Cinema Draft is the fantasy sports version of the movies. But instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies. How their movies perform at the North American box office will earn you points for your lineup of stars, all while competing against others for fun and prizes. So how does it work? Well, to fill out your roster, called a call sheet, you draft 10 actors from those listed in the talent pool who are each assigned a dollar value salary. You have a $100,000 budget to try to draft all 10 actors, no more, no less, and you must stay under budget. You must draft at least one actor from each of the three release types of movies. Wide release, movies on 2,000 screens and up, limited release, 501 to 1999 screens, and platform release, 500 screens or less. There are two headliners per film in the talent pool. Headliners points are worth 40% more. So, for example, if Top Gun Maverick earns 100 million, Miles Teller gets 100 points, while Tom Cruise, a headliner, gets 140. The game is free to play with cash and cryptocurrency prizes. It's currently in production for a relaunch later this year. We look forward to seeing you play. Come sign up for an invite to the beta when it's ready. Please visit us at cinemadraft.co. That is cinemadraft.co. And we're back. All right. We are now the segment that we call the quarantine movie of the week. And last week's quarantine movie of the week was Hancock, the Will Smith, Jason Bateman, Charlize Theron star. This week's quarantine movie of the week, and actually, do I have it up? I don't have it up. Uh, well, this this week's movie of the week, this is the one we have up today, Tuesday, the day of our taping, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Great coming-of-age movie. I highly recommend it. But tomorrow, by the time you guys actually watch this, we should have up our new quarantine movie of the week, and this will be Snatch. It is an ensemble London-based crime caper involving diamonds 
the Travelers, also known as Gypsies, also known as Pikeys, don't want to offend anybody, and Bare Knuckle Boxing. Snatch also stars, honestly, a, a wildly underrated Brad Pitt performance, a younger yes. Jason Statham. Uh, it's, I mean, got some really kind of people you see, guys you've seen before, Dennis Farina, RIP, great character actor, and also Vinnie Jones, who I guess at the time was, I mean, that between that and Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, used to be a footballer, right? Hmm. Yeah, have you, have you, actually, I'm sorry, have you seen Snatch, Nick? So, once you sent me the breakdown, I hadn't seen this, but I, I went and watched it, to, what's it yesterday. Oh, nice. So, I wanted wanted to be prepared, and I this is another movie that was actually on my list. So this just gave me a reason to stop com, uh, procrastinating and get it done. Well, uh, two questions. So, so one, did you like it, and two, did you watch it with closed captioning on? Because I please hope you did. <laughs> uh, one, yes, I did like it, and two, I watch most things with closed captioning on. So yes, I did have it. <laughs> which you like caravans, you like dogs. Yeah, I, you definitely you definitely needed it for brad pitt he like he, his his accent his performance in that was I, I if you have never seen him before you wouldn't have thought he was an american yeah he was he totally slipped into it and that this is and it's it's part of i mean there are a lot of theories about brad pitt's career why he takes the roles he's taken he's he's basically the type of guy who's a movie star in spite of himself <clears throat> i mean he hasn't done too many like big franchise films i think i think the only franchise really on his record is the oceans franchise right and everything else he just really kind of tries to to do a lot of character work or whatever but this is the type of movie where even as dirty up as they try to make him look i mean he's he's got like the eight pack here yeah i mean it looks like he's in incredible shape totally charismatic even though you can barely understand what he's saying you gotta love it i, I love this movie it's so much fun i rewatched it i think maybe two months ago it's just such a fun movie snatch i mean so a lot going on lenny james i mean i'm watching i'm not sure if you're watching this amc i don't know if it's for lack of content but they decide they're gonna start replaying the whole line of duty series from the bbc which i guess started back in 2012 first season it's very lenny james heavy so see lenny james looking all scuzzed up like this <laughs> when he's a more polished detective in line of duty is, is quite a turn for me right now <laughs> A lot of great names in this movie, and very enjoyable to watch. I, I love it. Love this movie. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was glad you put that on the list or put that so gave me a reason to watch it. And a man who comes prepared for the podcast. We, I don't even know what to do with you, Nick. You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> damn it, we're not at the end of this thing. You're welcome back anytime. So we'll give you a air horn for that. Damn it. And thanks every also to everyone who has played our little social media game, Social CD. We are. We're having a lot of fun with this game. We like to give people something to do while they're trapped at home during the quarantine. Last week's was the Black, Lay Blacks, the African American social CD. I play, I performed pretty poorly with this one. Uh, <laughs> only, only eked out about 11 points. It's fun to kind of throw up some lineups and some potential synopses and titles of movies you, come, you can come up with for potential, basically playing your own studio executive. Definitely make sure you check out our, the, the next version of the game. It comes up every Thursday morning up on our Twitter account, which is at Place in the Draft. And I am actually scrambling to, this is me being unprepared, actually scrambling to bring up the social CD sheet for this week. 
And like I said, it is over, it is the over 50 set. Uh, let's see. And actually, have you, have you tried your head at a social CD lineup? I haven't. I see them every week and I sit there and I take about 15 minutes every week and I try and build my team. I think what the problem is, is I always try to find a way to get two headliners in there and I frustrate myself. <laughs> and, and then, uh, and then I end up getting, and then I just move on this, uh, this, this week I'll sit down and actually get it out and do it. Cause I've seen everyone. You tagged me in the millennial one. I tried for about 30 minutes to get something. Oh, and man. I just frustrated myself and then moved on. Well, and leave it to you, Ring Balls, one of our top money winners of all time in the Cinema Draft game, to take this super serious, to really think deeply about it when halftime I'm just throwing shit out there, hoping it sticks. <laughs> and more often than not, it is not. <laughs> to my I, I, can, I can tell you all the ones that you've put together are movies that I would go see in theaters for a heart, in a heartbeat. So. Oh, why, thank you. Checks in the mail. <laughs> actually, actually, you know what? Actually, because of your performance in draft stream last week, you have been PayPal. Make sure you check your PayPal. Uh, this, <laughs> this actually, oh, that's, well, that actually gave you a glimpse of it. I need, here we go. This should be the right. There we go. This is our over 50 uh, game. Just give you a sneak preview of what will be up on the, on the Twitters tomorrow. And yes, all of these actors, as great as they look, are 50 years or older. And so this hmm. is a challenge of putting together a anti-ageist cast <laughs> for your movie. And as is the rules of the game, you must choose exactly five actors. You must have uh, no more, no less. You must have at least one headliner, one co-star, one day player, and you only have a hundred bucks to do it. So have fun with it. Title them, tag three people to spread the game. And send us, send us your cast. We look forward to seeing you. Yes. There we go. All right. And moving on to what I've been looking forward to, because we don't often have active players in the cinema draft game or the draft stream game to speak of on the podcast. So this is your time to shine, damn it. We're gonna, we've been <laughs> conducting our little alpha test of draft stream. We had an incredible week of a fantastic finish a ridiculous fish, less than 0 0.07 points separated first from second, less than 40 points, actually less than, actually less than 50 points separated first from third. And had it not been to a somewhat clerical error on Ringball's part, he actually probably been competing or if not outright won the whole damn thing. So with the draft stream game, someone likes Simon Draft for those who aren't aware, and we encourage you all to play the game because we definitely need the data as we're testing this out as a potential uh, part-time replacement while we're waiting on movie theaters reopen for the cinema draft game. Basically you have a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars salary cap. You must have 10 people in your talent pool, uh, 10 people from the talent pool in your, on your call sheet, no more, no less. Standard or a hundred thousand must have at least one day player, one co-star and one headliner in your call sheets and headliners get a 40% bonus. It's based off of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic's critic scores, as well as, Overweighting 60% for Rotten Tomatoes audience scores and IMDb user scores. So, as someone who's played the game all three weeks, we appreciate your participation. What are your thoughts so far on the draft stream game? Suck ups are encouraged, but give us your honest opinion. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like how everything's. Uh, it. I was. I was also a big fan of the Cinema Draft game. So, uh, both of these products have been fantastic. Uh, 
but I, I like the idea of building rosters. And uh, so last, last week, yeah, this is mine. I, uh, I had been looking at bad education. I saw it had already had a few positive reviews. So I wanted to go heavy on that one. Uh, got a five pack in there. I got my co-star and my day, a couple of day players along with the two headliners. Um, like you said, the clerical air, I was just not paying close enough attention. I tried to sneak an 11th person in there on accident, <laughs> which, uh, had I, had I been paying attention, uh, I would have changed probably floored to, uh, the beastie boys documentary. I, uh, I don't know if I had enough. No, you probably I, with that one, but something, I mean, if you had taken uh flower, never have I ever, you would have actually run away with this. I mean, never have I ever came out the, I mean, as an experiment, because the games run from Thursday through through Monday, as an experiment, I was I was playing around with adding Monday debuting titles. We only have till Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time, and after that is when I check the scores. And with as is Netflix's fashion, they their Monday debuts are are pretty much Sunday night debuts. They debut them at 12 12:01 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, on on the, the night before, and it played well. I mean, it had it had a decent sampling of, of reviews, highly rated reviews. Never have I ever. And I started watching, and that's a fantastic show. I enjoy it. Have you have you checked that? Never have I ever. I haven't yet. I actually meant to watch it Monday morning to get a few episodes in, so I could give a rating and hopefully hopefully help my chances out. But uh, I ended up falling. I ended up sleeping in a little bit later and. Then I did my morning workout and everything like that. So I did end up missing it, and I just haven't got back around to it. But yeah, yeah very I, snackable. I, They're only like twenty-five to twenty-eight minutes long, and it's very breezy. And the character, the main character, is we were talking about soci- sociopathy, psychopath, or uh, sociopath. This episode, this seems to be like the, the ongoing theme. <laughs> this episode, but the the main character, and she's a new discovery. I think this is her very first role. She's excellent. Uh, God, what is her name? Uh, Anyways, uh, the main character, she's basically like a teenage sociopath. And she admits that she's in therapy. Niecy Nash is her therapist. I mean, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and John McEnroe. John, yeah, tennis legend John McEnroe is the narrator. That's awesome. For, I wouldn't for, have to, for no reason. It's just there. There she is. My, I'm going to butcher her name. Uh, Maitreyi Ramakishna. Oh, you know Maitreyi, we'll learn her name. She's that good. We will learn her name. She's excellent. So good. Seems fairly age appropriate too. But she's and she and it's just a great role for her. And and for and this one right here, she's she's actually put up as like the pretty cousin, and she is, she she is, she. Uh, I'm I'm losing my words now because I, she's going to the Gal Gadot pantheon of and the Gal Gadot, Nia Long, Snow Latham pantheon of incredibly beautiful women to look at. It's she's great in this also. It's so I've only seen two episodes, but I'm all the way in. The way they kind of structure this is like a kind of sarcastic, funny, you know, uh, on uh, you know, unfortunately honest portrayal of of a coming of age, you know, teenage, you know, Indian American story. It's really good. A lot of cultural cues in there. You definitely feel like you're being exposed to to another culture while still uniquely American as well. I enjoy it. It's gonna be it's 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 a great ride right now. Actually, when I'm done with this, I'm about to go downstairs and watch two or three more. <laughs> I think yeah, I think I'm gonna go throw that on while I get ready for bed. 
Yeah, I so, think another Never Have or Ever would have got you out of uh, Floored. But you definitely had room for it about in the 7,000s per se. And yeah, the thing with Floored, and I'm not sure if this is so much a function of be it being a Monday release or it being on Quibi. This is our first Quibi title, and it did not perform at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Well, and that was another thing I overlooked. I didn't even realize that it started. It was a Monday release. Had I Had I realized that, uh, I I made a lot of clerical errors last week. Not a, not necessarily a a banner performance on my part. It doesn't even look like it has any ratings yet. On no IMD. no, it had, it had full default score. It was one of it was the only one that had a full default score this week. So well, yeah, I, I even even looking at it now, I'm not seeing any ratings <laughs> on it. So that that'll that'll give that'll keep me honest from uh, doing doing a a quibby anything quibby related here for the next uh next few uh weeks that we have if there's anything on there yeah, uh, and also it'll keep me honest from a from a salary making standpoint too like these these will also probably be downgraded for lack of popularity 100 percent. but yeah i mean i but i i had a good i as as you touched on a couple of the pods the documentaries have had quite the effect and I've gone documentary heavy on my last couple ones but I was I was a touch skeptical on it being on Apple TV how many people would have actually watched it so I faded that one and I went all in on bad education yeah and, and actually uh, and I remember when I did the the weekend recap I I was I was a little questionable about the non about about the the non-documentary heavy strategy but yeah, I but I I was optimistic about bad education, and when I did the Saturday update, I'm like, well, bad education was smart because I mean, people are loving this this movie, and that was before I had a chance to see it. I'm like, okay, it's totally deserved. So that that actually this is actually a really good strategy, and definitely, and I like, and I think I did like the contrariness of it because while a lot of us were stocking up on documentaries, I said that it's a high risk, high reward. While all of us are stocking up on documentaries, here's Ring Balls. If this hits. Yeah, he's had a good shot to kind of bypass all his documentary lovers towards the top spot. It just didn't pan out with Florida. Well, because the previous week I was the opposite. I think I had a four or five pack of The Last Dance and mm. was hoping that was enough to get me there. And I think Gamble got me by less than a point for because I, I think I picked another movie that or that that Shailene Woodley movie that I guess got pushed back and didn't even come out. So yeah, a couple. Yeah. Couple, couple mental mistakes have cost me. Uh, I feel like I'm really close. So, uh, well, well, yeah. Well, let, let's let's look forward then. Let's not let's not dwell on yeah. the past. Let's look forward to, to this week. What do you uh, just some some strategy points for this week? What are you what are you thinking so far? Let's let's pick your brain. Pick the brain of a of a cinema draft in draft stream winner. So I I have I did see I did see the brief that you went over. I haven't dug in into anything just yet. Uh, that upload one is that is that the Greg Daniels show? Yes, it is. Uh, that one I'm going to for sure be checking out one way or the other. I haven't decided if I'm going to have it on my call sheet yet, but a big Greg Daniels fan. I actually have The Office on right now in the background. Uh, seen, seen all of his shows, King of the Hill, Parks and Rec. I'm excited for the Parks and Rec episode they're releasing on Thursday. Yes, me too. Uh, um, so regardless if that's in my uh, call sheet or not it i will be consuming that this weekend one way or the other uh there was another i think it was a one of the netflix movies was it dangerous lies danger oh yeah da dangerous lies yeah this one i actually watched a trailer for this one 
I'm out. I don't want to watch this movie. But no, yeah, yeah. Does yeah. Do, does Camila Mendez have a big enough standship to to get this thing rated highly enough with our all important audience ratings? Yeah, that uh, that's that's not the one I was thinking of. I, okay, I, when I was watching the re, what, what was the other? Was the was the half of it? One, oh, one half of them. That, that's another. That's a Netflix movie. That's one with Jeffrey Wright. And, and oh yes, yeah, yeah. A cycle of uh, yeah. Oh no, I'm no, I'm sorry. Half it. No, no that's was it the t- was there was the Jeffrey Wright one. Was it a TV show or was it no? No, it's, it's a Netflix one? movie. It's all all day and a night. That's it. Yeah, that's that's the one that caught my eye. I like Jeffrey Wright. Uh, yeah, me too. Just it's another person. Every time he's in there, every time I see him on screen, he's just always. He just he, he just I. I I don't even know how to describe it. He's he just, just always, he owns it though. Every time, yeah. every time he's in a role, he just owns whatever scene he's in. He's he's great. He's he's good stuff. So, I think tomorrow I'm gonna really sit down and look and figure it out. That's that's one that caught my eye. That one it looks like it's one that could rate pretty well. I'm sure I'll check that out one way or the other, even if it's not on my call sheet. But uh, absolutely. So those 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 are the two ones that caught my eye right off the bat. Uh, I. We'll be making sure to pay closer attention to the release date, as that's got bitten me a couple times so far. Um, and also, no. people, people, also, just as a reminder, I know Harper this every week, but use your tiebreakers. We got that close to to having a tie. Oh. Let's use our tiebreakers this week. The, the guess the highest Rotten Tomatoes critic score zero to one hundred percent, and also guess the highest rated IMDb user score zero point zero to ten point zero. Yes, it's it's definitely as as game theories start to harden as we get a better grip on the game from from a, a player standpoint. I expect some of our our top players to have similar thoughts. So let's get our tiebreakers in. I look forward to seeing how it's going to shake out this week. I personally, I think, you know, I actually haven't done my research yet this week. I think Hollywood's going to be big, but it's going to be too expensive. So I might just try to to. to get as much Hollywood Hollywood as I can. It's Ryan Murphy. He's a crowd pleaser. He does, I mean, the politician, which was my guide as far as salary making went this week. The politician had like a 7.5 uh, IMDb user rating. People seem to love it. So Hollywood definitely is a high profile movie this week, or actually a high profile miniseries debuting on Netflix this week. So I expect it will do pretty well. But and we have no documentaries. There's no documentaries for us to to game around. So it'll be very interesting to see how our first documentary list weekend shapes out. Yeah, this 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 is gonna this is gonna be an interesting week. It looks at, it looks I've got Hollywood up right now. It's got 195 review or rates right now, and it's it's only sitting at a five five. So oh, it might be some might be something I have to dig in a little bit more to see. Uh, see what we're going there because you got that was the high price one wasn't it? it it was and this this might this might be another black af situation where because i'm excited about it i <laughs> i mark it up and and it comes out with like low reviews but that was another that was a movie that movie that was a series a netflix series that started off super low and then as the weekend progressed it kept picking up higher and higher it wasn't and there i don't think i think it came in fourth in its in that weekend but it was definitely a situation where the early the early ratings were low but it gained over the weekend as people saw more and more of it since hollywood i believe is like an hour-long show i don't know if there'll be enough people to watch the entire thing throughout weekend to 
really bump up this this number. This also could be a bunch of Hollywood insiders who hate on everyone yeah. about higher standards. Whereas when the mass when the mass market gets our hands on it, it might be a totally different story. So I, oh, yeah. I, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's this this is a pickle for me. Uh, Ring balls is a pickle for me. I might. I mean, I. Yeah, I gotta do my research. That'll be that'll be my my Wednesday night. <laughs> no, yeah, that's uh, uh, the I always I I know you've said it before, but I always take the critics with a grain of salt because sometimes they don't feel like they have the the pulse of what the general public likes. So just because it's rated poorly or just because it's rated bad, that doesn't sway my opinion anyway on it going into it. So I try to keep as open of a mind on anything as I can when I'm going to see it. And and that's and that for me is the fun and the beauty of of, of the draft stream game at least is that because the audience score is weighted sixty percent higher than the than the critic scores we have to keep in mind the audience we have to think like an audience and what they're going to go for because you know you I mean far be it for me to ever watch a lifetime movie but there some of those lifetime movies score really high on IMDb user ratings they have a niche they definitely go for it the Apple TV uh, plus shows. I'm not sure how it's close to Apple TV you are. I've watched several stuff. They've got really great content. I watched one before dark. That's a great little show. And a lot of their stuff is actually rated pretty high. So I'm going to keep my eye on trying on Apple TV. I'm going to keep my eye on Hollywood. I'm, you, know, you know, maybe even, maybe even Betty, a real cheapie that's not getting a lot of publicity. I think because it, it's addressing a specific counterculture, you know, the kind of teen skateboard culture. It, the people who actually take time to rate it on IMDb might rate it higher. We never know. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, there's there's a lot of things that I'll, I'll keep my eye on this week, and I, I mean I, I don't have anything else to do besides sit around and watch movies and TV. So. Amen. And and that can be a better segue or promotion for the draft stream game. Please join us in our alpha test. Call sheets are due Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, in order to get a link or an invite, you there will be one in the description for this podcast. Or if you get the weekly newsletter, make sure to sign up for that. We are once again putting up a $50 prize pool eligible for our top two non-cinema draft employee spots. And as, as Ringballs mentioned, some of y'all are out of work, so come get this money. Come get this money. So Anything else you'd like to add, Ringballs? In... In the spirit of that, I think this is going to finally be my week where I break through. So I personally, if you, if you are first place and do beat me, I will put up another $50 myself. So if you, if you, get, that, if you get that first place money and over me, you're going to get an extra $50 coming from me. Whoa. That, so that's how confident I am this week. That – my friends is a challenge come after the boy come after ring balls he's put i'm sorry how much were you putting out there 25 dollars. 50 whoa he's matching the prize pool y'all that you know you heard it here first drew zod our winner this week and congratulations you know big up to drew zod his first time playing i think actually i don't think he even played the, the, the cinema draft game this might be his first cinema draft i think product. i think he played a little bit i recognize the name you know, actually, you're right. He did play a little bit, but he came in hot. I made fun of his call sheet. It's my bad. I called the Noah's Ark call sheet. He had the, the two by two. Everything was was in pairs. Was in was in pairs. Pairs with two. But he came out. He came out at the very last second. You know, relying heavily on the rave reviews and never have I ever, and over overperforming really with, with extraction. 
and, and bad education, to be honest with you. Defending Jacob, too. <clears throat> Even with Penny Dreadful, try, Dreadful trying to drag him down. You, you know, and it, honestly, it was the user reviews that saved his ass. I mean, I, yeah. think, I think it was at like a like a five or six something, and that came with like a six point something, and that really saved his ass. So, well done, Druzad. Druzad, our, this week's, uh, last week's winner, you got competition this week. Our boy Ring Balls putting up a big 5-0, matching the prize pool to anyone who can knock him out. This is his week. You know, just for that, I don't need your money. I don't want to win your money, but I'm going to win this week, damn it. Just, just to watch <laughs> just, just to make a grown man cry, damn it. <laughs> actually, you know, actually, this, this is what I'll do. If I beat you this week, Ring Balls, I will take your money and add to the prize pool for next week. Perfect. There we go. So I'm, I'm, I'm in it to win it, damn it. I'm winning this week. And then, of course, same rules still apply. The top two non-Cinema Draft employee spots uh, will will win our win part of our fifty dollars prize pool. Thirty five dollars the first, fifteen dollars the second. Come get this money. Appreciate your support, Ring Balls. This is great. I love I love seeing I love seeing the side bets go on. This is great. Hopefully, we'll get our beloved Jay Devlin back on track and playing this week as well. And I think I think this will get him. That's that's. De- yeah, Mr. Lay, De- lay Mr. that gauntlet Devlin. out in the, in the group chat too. Lay, oh. lay it out in the group chat. This will be great. This is great. No, and let's 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 get let's get a big uh, let's get a big group this week and see if you guys can take me down. Absolutely, give more work for me. But damn it, I love to see it and all that data. Let's get some let's get let's get some more people playing the game. All right, and we're gonna bring this sucker in for a landing, man. A bonus bounty challenge. In in episode strategy, you've been an outstanding guest. Thanks so much for coming by and elevating the Cinema Draft podcast with your presence, Nick. Give yourself a hand, damn it. <laughs> Thank, thanks for having me, Eduardo. I've been wanting to come on. Next time I come on, we'll get drunk ring balls on here for you. You know what? We've got this on tape. We're going to hold you to it. We're getting <laughs> drunk ring balls next, next time he's back on the podcast. Great shit. And, you know, as we like to ask for our guests, is there anything you have to plug? Go ahead and plug your ish, Ring. Uh, not much. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Ringballs22. It's right there. Uh, I feel like Eduardo and I see eye to eye on a lot of topics. So if you like following him, you're probably going to like. There it is. At Ringballs22. NJR. All right. So that's that's going to be it for this podcast. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening, if you're listening at home. As we usually like to say, go see a movie or something. But no, we are not opening up America, damn it. Stay home. No matter what your elected official tells you, we are not out of this yet. Why don't you quarantine with a movie or something? And we'll see you all next week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Play draft stream, damn it. Stay your ass at home. And we'll see you all next time. Peace. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook Cinema Draft, Instagram at Play Cinema Draft, Medium at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, 
play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.